Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend and in a whole new year, no less. We have a fun show for you this week. We're going to hear from someone who literally wrote the book about fun. If you want to have fun, you got to be okay sucking. I didn't put that expression in the book, but that would be a takeaway. (laughs) Plus, we take a journey to the 1.8 million degree edge of the sun. This is exploration. We are venturing into medium that we never visited before. And whatever um, observations we are making there, it's a potential discovery. But first, it's our panel on all the weird and wonderful things that happened this week. First up, we have the senior producer for WBEZ's talk show, Reset, Meha Ahmad. Meha, hello. Hey, Greta. And WBEZ Metro reporter, Adora Namigade. Adora, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so I think we should start with winter weather because the Mid-Atlantic got hit. They saw such a crazy storm earlier this week. Northern Virginia got as many as 14 inches. As you can imagine, this like completely wreaked havoc all over, especially on freeways. Hundreds of people were stuck on I-95, like in their cars. There were jackknife trucks, hundreds of other accidents. People were stuck for as many as 24 hours. Here's how one woman described the scene on TikTok. These are the people currently next to me. They're passed out in their car. That's just an old man getting out to pee. Lots of people peeing on the side of the highway. This woman just got out of her car and started walking. Pretty sure she left her car back there. Um, not sure where she was going. And this is the cup that I peed in twice. In my car. Oh, Oh my goodness. I mean, I laugh, but it's, I mean, it's also super intense. I don't know, though. Like, it was very funny to hear little tidbits. Like, uh, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine was also stuck in it, Mm -hmm. and he says he survived off of Dr. Pepper and Sirius XM radio and some orange (laughs) slices that another straighted driver gave him. It's just like. Wow, he had uh, vitamin C. That's nice. (laughs) There you go. So, I mean, it does sound like an absolute nightmare, though. Like, Adora, what would you have done in that situation? I literally think I would have a panic attack. Mm. Um, I think I would have a panic attack because that's a long time. 15 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I would have a panic attack for sure. And I would bawl my eyes out. (laughs) Then I would probably like our TikTok poster here, alleviate myself in some sort of water bottle that's in my back seat or something. Mm -hmm. I do keep like a lot of books in my back. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. So maybe at some point, like after the panic attack, I would just realize, you know what? This is it, and you're here, so hopefully I'd read a nice book. When I bought my first, like, adult car after college, it occurred to me that a car is essentially a giant purse on wheels. (laughs) So true. No, it's so true. And and yeah, I think that this is the instance where people who, like, kind of hoard things in their cars are Mm. winning. You know? What do you think, Maha? Um, I am a notorious hoarder, and I don't have a car anymore. I'm a public transit warrior, but back when I had a car... (laughs) 
in the Chicago winters, yes, I had everything. I had extra clothes. I had snacks. I had like flashlights, winter kits and emergency kits. Like I was always, I'm always terrified. I'm going to get stuck on the highway. Um, mm. Not because of the winter or anything, just because maybe I didn't put gas. <laughs> like, And I mean, I don't like being stuck on I-55 for an hour or two. Like that to me yeah. is a nightmare. I have questioned my will to live on that highway. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, if I, if I get stuck on 55 for two hours and I'm like miserable <laughs> at the end of it, imagine these people who are over a lot of people like over a day. Yeah. It's so cold. Yeah. Like that's really the worst part is, ah, it's just so cold. Like I think Tim Kaine said that like, he was like turning on his car for to warm up yes. for like 30 minutes and then turning it off to save gas. And like, even that, that is not a survival skill that I have. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would just keep the car on until gas ran out and then try to jump in someone else's cars. <laughs> I was going to say, you you strike me as the sort of person who would make friends with the people you're stranded nearby, you know? And it's like, hey, I got the snacks. I'm out of gas. That's Can smart. I please come? You're smart. You know? I'll be honest. I really thought, like, the passengers were all going to come together and, like, create campfires. <laughs> and no one did. That's the next Broadway musical. <laughs> okay, so I also want to talk about the BlackBerry phone because it is officially dead. The company that made them wow. is pivoting to cybersecurity. Um, this is wild because they already felt like such a relic to me. But I mean, there were the holdouts. Um, Maha, for some reason, I picture you as a former BlackBerry How user. did you Am know? I, back in the day, was so reluctant to switch to iPhones. I was like, BlackBerry for life. Barack Obama has a BlackBerry, so I have a BlackBerry. <laughs> and I, everyone tried to get me. They're like, man, get the iPhone 3. And I'm like, absolutely not. Touchscreen is for hipsters. And <laughs> and I was like, I need a keyboard. And yeah, obviously, I've been an iPhone user for many years now. But I was, I mean, it's been a long time since I used the BlackBerry, but I was still sad to hear that it was... It was going to go. It was like the phone for professionals. Like if you were a workaholic, you had a BlackBerry. And it was like, you know, like back in the day, if like you, if you want to be taken seriously, you got a briefcase. Like the same thing with like the BlackBerry. Mm. And yeah, yeah, it was so, I mean, to me, I'm also somewhat of a Luddite. Like I want to bring back the hot pink razor. The Motorola Razor. Oh, I Ooh. love those. I mean, the, yeah. Those are kind of coming back. I mean, can they hurry? Because it's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adora, was a BlackBerry ever really on your radar? So, yeah, I've, I had definitely heard of them, though, and I definitely aspired to have one. So they had a cool professional image. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, I never had one. And I don't know. I guess I'll never know what that was like. It is funny to think about the time when being a workaholic was like an appealing image to portray. Oof. Like, I feel like that has changed a lot, you know? Yeah, I agree. When we were talking about um, the Blackberry's demise in our meeting, there was like a hot second where our executive producer, Brendan, thought we were talking about how like Blackberry's the fruit had gone extinct, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which like, I don't know, no shade on Blackberry's, but and environmental implications and like repercussions aside, I think I might actually be okay with Blackberry's the fruit not existing. And I was Mm. curious what your takes on that are. Adora, would you be devastated? (gasps) Oh my gosh. Okay. I wouldn't say devastated, but I do like them. So here's the thing. If I were at the grocery store and I could only buy three types of berries, blackberries are on the bottom of the list. Okay. Like if they're not there, I'm not going to cry. But so if they they're are not there, even top three, you're saying. Exactly. Like they're strawberries, not blueberries, three. raspberries. Absolutely. Yeah. But if they're there, I'll buy them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, okay, I can't so agree with that. Blackberry is like my go-to fruit snack. Really? Yeah. Because oh, wow. so much fruit is just sweet. And then there are just a few things that are like tart. 
And yeah. that's why I'm like, blackberries come through with that. Um, raspberries <laughs> almost never have a flavor. Maybe that's just. Oh, my God. What? Yes. I'm so offended by this. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Meha, I don't Bye, know. Raspberries. I don't know. You know how many, I'm shocked. How often you. have you eaten a, bla- a raspberry and thought like, oh, this is so ripe. This is like the right flavor. They, oh, my God. All yes! the time. Lies. Lies. <laughs> Are y'all getting paid by like the raspberry lobby? <laughs> yes, I need Guilty. my shipment. Guilty. <laughs> no, I don't know. With blackberries, I admire the tartness. I just think the seed to juice ratio is off. It's yeah. like they're too crunchy. I can't get into it. Crunchy and sour. Like, no. That's raspberries. Yeah. <laughs> What? Oh my god. Okay, We're living okay. in two different universes, my friend. Well, yeah, let's just agree to disagree on that one. Um, so it is the first week of the new year. Um, and we've talked about resolutions a fair amount on this show. I really hate the whole like new year, new you stuff, especially during such a stressful time. And we actually did an interview this time last year with Glennon Doyle, who's like an author and overall awesome person, and she had such an amazing thing to say about resolutions. Let's listen to it. I just think life can be so hard and, you know, you change because life comes at you in waves, right? Like things happen. Like we have love, we have loss, we have pain, we have death, we have all of these things. And to me, I'm only able to withstand those (laughs) waves and allow them to transform me if I'm resting between the waves, not if I'm like making up freaking other projects to do to kick my own butt during the off time. I just love that idea so much. Um, but I don't know. It got me wondering, like, I do have a couple sort of like half resolution-y things. Is there something that maybe like young, impressionable December 2021 you thought you might stick to? And now January 2022 you is like, yeah, no. <laughs> Maha, what do you think? In December, I was like, I'm not doing resolutions. I'm not doing resolutions. <laughs> that was your resolution? And, yeah. And then in January, I'm like, it's not a bad idea to have a couple of short-term goals. <laughs> so that's probably what I ended up... But I totally... I mean, Glennon's talking about resting. Like, that. that's definitely kind yeah. of a theme of my, like, mini half resolutions. It's like, you know, use all your sick days. <laughs> get Yes. Get your, Ooh, that's a good get, one. Get your eight hours because, I mean, I'm still not getting my eight hours. Um, mm. yeah, I mean, like the other one I had was just survive. <laughs> That's real. That's for the a good pandemic, one. That's honestly. a really good like, one. Sleep, survive, and finally, like, just keep going to your doctor's checkups. I hate going to the doctor. So I have to remind myself every year, like, use your benefits. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Do it. Do it. What do you think, Adora? Okay. So honestly, I am a resolutions person. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I like that the whole world is experiencing a new moment at the same time Mm. and riding that wave does help me so but the way I approach my resolutions is more like trying to think of and reflect on who do I want to be like I'm an avid journaler right so I think about who do I want to be who am I becoming and what habits help me toward that and what are ways I could like shift my habits to like more become that person Hmm. so my one resolution this year is just I started bullet journaling okay cool I think it will help me be more organized and help me kind of tackle different things. I was frustrated with how I handled last year. So being able to see everything I'm trying to do at once in this sort of weird do-it-yourself planner journal thing, hopefully will just help me. 
I love that you're like, who do I want to become? I'm just like old and jaded enough to be like, I've been, I've been who I am for I know. too long. I this is it. Now. Deal with <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, no, but I don't know though. Like hearing you talk, Adora also is like, oh, you're going to take over the world. Like you're on your way to being president. And that's like, you will be our boss eventually. And that's oh, totally thank cool. you. Yeah. Hey, my boss. You hear that? Hey. <laughs> Greta, what about you? Are you into resolutions? No, I mean, so last year, my only resolution was to write down a delight a day. And it was inspired by Ross Gay's The Book of Delights, which we had him on the show around this time last year, too. And yeah, it can be anything. And his whole thing is like, the more you seek out delight, the more it shows up for you. So wow, yes, I need to read this. So yeah, that's really the big one that I want to keep going with this year, though there was one that I noticed on Twitter that I really loved from Rebecca Mackay. She's an author here in Chicago. She wrote that book, The Great Believers. And her whole thing was like, pick one thing to stop apologizing for in 2022. Ooh. And that one I like a lot, too. I like that. Right? No, honestly, I was going to say I'm going to have to adopt these. Yeah, I'm going to add the delight one for sure. So it's like survive, then, you know, find delight. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for coming on today. You are. Yeah, thank you. This was good reflection time now. It was delightful. You guys are so fun. Here's a question for you. When is the last time you had fun? Like big, amazing, memorable, incredible fun. (laughs) I got together with some friends whom I play music with and we did our customary nasal swabs because that's an intrinsic part of fun right now is Mm. a little COVID test and um, (laughs) we spent Sunday afternoon playing music together and it was true fun. That is Catherine Price. She is a fun scholar. I am not even kidding. Her latest book is called The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again. In her research, Catherine decided to focus on what she calls true fun. This is a proper noun, capital T, capital F, and it is all about three things. Playfulness, connection, and flow. I don't know. I think partly what's so fascinating about this book is that in a lot of ways, what you're doing is you're taking fun seriously. <laughs> yes, I'm taking fun seriously, though, as unfun as that sounds. <laughs> Adults hate playfulness. That, that makes people clench up and they just kind of shudder and think that can't possibly describe them. So I like to point out, I'm not talking about playing like make-believe or necessarily playing anything. I'm talking about the spirit of playfulness, which Mm -hmm. really just means a spirit of lightheartedness, of not taking things too seriously, and of not worrying about the outcome, doing things just for the sake of doing them, not because you're trying to get somewhere or accomplish something. Mm. That often means being comfortable with sucking at something too then, right? Yeah, you have to be okay sucking at something. That it's <laughs> If you want to have fun, you got to be okay sucking. I didn't put that expression in the book, but that would be a takeaway, <laughs> you know, because it's and, and, and enjoy it. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's a big one for adults. And then connection. I just noticed that in my own experiences of fun and then in the experiences shared with me, that there was an element of connection of a special shared experience. And it normally, not always, but normally was with another person. And that was true even for introverts. Because one of the questions I asked in my Mm -hmm. surveys was, what's something that surprised you about your answers? And a lot of people said, you know, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. And yet all of the three anecdotes I just told you about involved other people. Hmm. So I think it's just a matter of what type of connection. And then the flow refers to the psychological state we get into when we're so engrossed in something that we lose track of time. 
it's a very active state. It's not the same as, you know, your eyes glazing over while you're watching Netflix or scrolling through social media. That's right. just more hypnosis. And what was, um, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, the guy who came up with the term flow, he called that junk flow. I'm talking about active, <laughs> engaged, present to the point that you lose track of time. The most common example is if you think about an athlete in the midst of a game or someone in the middle mm. of playing a piece of music. But I believe that when all three come together in kind of the center of the Venn diagram, that's what I call true fun. That makes sense. So when it comes to connection, does that necessarily have to be with a friend? Like you could end up having that with a stranger in a certain context and still have it count, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you can have that sense of connection with any any person or, you know, I'd argue a dog, <laughs> maybe cats too, but there's a lot of people who brought up, you know, playing with cats the dog. Are complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little more complicated, but yeah, I think that's, that's very important to point out. It can be a catching the eye of someone, you know, above their mask and sharing a smile, or I often have a good time. Like if I, back when I took more ride shares, having conversations with random people, you know, you're never going to yeah. see again. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have to have it doesn't need to be intense or profound. I mean, it can be, but it doesn't need to be. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about fun is there's a certain lightness to it. So one thing I was thinking about when it comes to fun, I like to me, this is, I imagine would be especially tricky for people when they think about how to integrate fun into work, because mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, work is not supposed to be fun. Um, oh, why? And, That's a bad attitude. Guys. Oh, my God. I completely agree. But you know what I mean, though? I think a lot of people, especially with jobs, like they take that stuff super seriously. And I don't know, then it gets me thinking about like bosses who are like, oh, you want fun? Like, OK, we'll put a ping pong table in the lounge. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> it's always a ping you know? pong table. I was just right? thinking about that the other day. Or like, ooh, yeah, you gave us foosball. I guess we're happy now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, can you talk about like how that is not what you're going after here? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it depends on how you interact with the foosball table, right? Like <laughs> if you're in the right context, I think that actually could facilitate fun because, you know, one thing I, I believe in is the power of props for fun of getting, giving people things that encourage them to get into a more fun mindset. So mm. I actually do talk about that specifically as a way to attract fun as I, as I refer to it. Like, for example, I hosted a, a summer camp weekend for friends and just on a whim, I, I bought embroidery floss, like for friendship bracelets and oh, a hula hoop. Cool. I don't know. And I left those out. I'm like, what is this group of adults actually going to do with these things? Well, I looked over and all of a sudden everyone's making friendship bracelets, men and women alike, as they're like having this conversation, this lighthearted conversation that was very much facilitated by them having their hands busy in a way. Mm -hmm. And then they're all hula hooping, like teaching each other to hula hoop. So I think in the context <laughs> that actually really worked. But if I showed up at, at a workplace and with embroidery floss, I doubt that would be <laughs> successful because you're kind of like, it's the prop, but you're not giving the permission to people or the context in which they could actually enjoy it. Right. But I would say in general for work, I think the more fun we can have at work, the better we'll be at our work. You know, right. fundamentally, the most important thing about having fun is just the fun of it is the giving ourselves permission to enjoy our lives. But in addition, there's all these benefits. Um, but I think that one of the surefire ways to prevent yourself from having fun is to try to force it. And if you're like, have fun at work, like that is just a fool's errand. But I would say that one thing I find useful to think about is to think about fun as those three components, playfulness and connection and flow, and then mm -hmm. figure out how you can increase opportunities for those three things in as many areas of your life as possible. Because the more you do that, 
the more satisfied and happier you'll be. And when all three come together, you'll actually have fun. So I would say, you know, start by just focusing on ways to bring more playfulness and connection and flow into your work and personal life, and then take it from there, just little steps so that it doesn't feel like a burden. You know, it's funny having this conversation because I'm reminded that when we were kids, my parents used to ha- like dictate what we called mandatory family fun. <laughs> <laughs> What'd they make you do? Oh, like exercise. It was miserable. It was it the doesn't worst. Sound fun. <laughs> I mean, they're like, <laughs> and they you- thought it was funny to call it that. <laughs> well, I think that that brings up an important point that the activities themselves, like no activity is necessarily fun or always fun. It's the mm. attitude that you bring to it and That's kind of the, the, yeah, like there, there's a magical element to it. So going on a walk with a particular friend could indeed be fun. But if you're dragged on the same walk right. as a child, totally not fun. <laughs> or even like a dinner party. Some dinner parties are really fun. And then, you know, back when we had dinner parties and then some, even with right. the same people, would be le- or less fun. And there's just something contextual about it. Um, but I think that a lot of times, well, I like to make that distinction just because I think a lot of times people think that in order to have more fun, you need to pack your schedule full of more activities just for the sake of activities themselves. And then you just end up really busy and exhausted and, and burned tired, out. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting thinking about fun, like in the midst of a burnout conversation, it makes me wonder like, where do you see fun on like a hierarchy of needs? <laughs> you know? Well, I, I got very interested in the hierarchy of needs when I was researching my book, because I think a common misperception or misconception we have about fun is that it's frivolous right? and that it's nice when it happens, but you have to be doing pretty well first in order to have fun. You got to have everything else taken care of. Well, and there is a privilege to it too, I think, you know, like it can cost money to have fun. I mean, some forms of fun cost money, but I just spoke to someone the other day who had two hours of fun with his nephew just sitting on a park bench catching leaves or trying to catch <laughs> leaves as they fell. So I think that's a misperception too. I think yeah. that obviously you you are going to have more fun if your basic needs are met. So if you're struggling to put food on the table or if you're sick or you're caring for a sick loved one, I mean, it's going to be harder. So I don't want to say like, in addition right. to all of your burdens, go have fun. I think it's really easy to let connection fall to the bottom of our priority list or to just you know, connect quote unquote with people on text messages or social media, but not see each other in person, especially as winter descends. So I just yeah. want to propose that we actually make it happen. You know, the, the example I'd like to share from my own life is that playing music together with friends is enormously important for me. It's, it's a main source of fun for me. And it's been hugely important to my resilience over the course of the pandemic, but I also am really cautious. And so Last winter, you might have thought, like, how would we possibly have continued to play music because of everything? And I live in Philadelphia. It's cold. Well, my friends and I figured out that we just needed to get heavier jackets and get hand warmers. And I actually got a heat lamp. And the toilet. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And we wore masks and we played music once a week. One, two, three, five. The wind is seen from Africa. It took extra effort and it was 100% worth it. So I just encourage people to figure out what the nourishing relationships and activities are in their lives and make them happen however you can. That's beautiful. I just love it so much. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
Catherine Price's book is called The Power of Fun. And yes, that is Catherine's band, which they're calling The Waffles, playing Carrie by Joni Mitchell. In just a minute, we will hear from one of the astrophysicists who's working on the Parker Solar Probe. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Last month, a spacecraft touched the edge of the sun for the first time ever. I mean, it's, it's more than a dream come true, to be honest. Noor Rawafi is the project scientist for the Parker Solar Probe mission at Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab. He says this milestone is a huge deal. It's like um, um, in the late 60s when we landed uh, man on the moon. Armstrong is on the moon. Neil Armstrong, 38-year-old American, standing on the surface of the moon. Yeah, that was a great moment, and we, we, we are still celebrating that now. But look at the benefit for space exploration, what we gained from it. It's, it's astronomical. So having Parker Solar Probe, it's, it's equivalent to that. On December 14th, 2021, the Parker Solar Probe flew into the sun's upper atmosphere, known as the corona. Now, because the sun is a flaming hot ball of gas, it doesn't really have a surface. But even getting this close to the edge is super cool. This is exploration. We are venturing into a medium that we never visited before. And whatever um, observations we are making there, it's a potential discovery. The corona can reach up to 1.8 million degrees Fahrenheit. So obviously this probe is making its mission solo, no humans invited. But what would you see if you were somehow able to tag along for the ride? That would be uh, an amazing uh, journey if we can do that. And we will see all sorts of things. I think let me start with the latest thing that we we saw with Parker Solar Probe. First of all, these structures that we, we see during a total solar eclipse, Parker Solar Probe for the last two orbits actually flew through them. And imagine that you are flying with Parker Solar Probe. You, you will be seeing some of them flying above your head, some of them flying below your feet. And that would be a marvelous scene to, be, to, to witness. It's, it's just amazing. On top of that, there are all sorts of waves in the solar wind. And some, some of them are sonic waves, and we can hear them if we, if we are in that medium. There are chirps. There are all sorts of, um, of, of waves that we, we, we can hear. It's just amazing to listen to. The probe was launched in 2018. Liftoff of the mighty Delta IV heavy rocket with NASA's Parker Solar Probe, a daring mission to shed light on the mysteries of our closest star, the sun. But like many space explorations, it was decades in the making. 
it dates back to many years before I was born. I mean, it dates back to 1958 when people start thinking, yeah, in order to understand this complex environment around the star, we need to send a probe within the orbit of Mercury to sample that medium and tell us what is going on there. But it took us over six decades to, to get to this point. Noor has been thinking about this for a long time, too. He says even when he was a kid in Tunisia, he would spend his nights looking at the stars. It's not only a pleasure. It's not only an honor. It's it's just it's just marvelous. It's uh, um, I mean it's every every day in the morning I wake up and looking forward. What are we going to learn from Parker Solo Probe again? And it's just amazing. Oh, hey, also, because this is Nerdat, we could not let Noor go without asking him about his side gig because he is a referee for the United States Soccer Federation. Sometimes I hope for um, a, a challenging game. And the reason for that, I want myself to get out of the pressure we are dealing with on, on almost daily basis, uh, working with a mission like Parker Solar Pro. And guess what? Noor is not the only space nerd who is also a sports nerd at the Applied Physics Lab. Adrian Hill, Noor's colleague, is a referee for the NFL in addition to his day job. He's, he's actually an engineer. He's the guy responsible for all the autonomous aspects of the spacecraft. Probably, probably there, are, there are more, but probably I just don't know about them. Keep looking, Noor. They're out there somewhere. that's it for this week thank you for listening we will be back next friday with a fresh new episode in the meantime keep up with us online one of my favorite little nooks of the internet these days is our facebook group it's called nerdette headquarters and it's a great place for listeners to get to know each other and ask for recommendations and rave about the stuff they're super into you can join just go to facebook.com slash groups slash hq the show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. See you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.